writer's key to place it in history. Um, it starts with uh, a timing piece. It says, in the days when the judges ruled. Um, so we know that was sometime between 1400 and 1000 BC period, that sort of period. At the end of the book, I don't want to steal anybody's thunder, um, uh, it finishes with this genealogy um, that places Ruth uh, right in the line of King David, and then obviously beyond that through to the line of Jesus. So the writer's keen to uh, place it in a historical corner. But the time of the judges um, was a little bit interesting. The book of Judges itself is quite a mixed bag of leaders uh, with roller coaster of faith going on. Um, but morally and spiritually, the book kind of heads downhill as the book comes to a close. Uh, so the book of Ruth, which may have been written as a kind of epilogue um, uh, to, to Judges, uh, zooms in um, from the big picture of Israel's chaos to this uh, gentle and personal story about the lives of a handful of folk uh, who trust and follow God through the ups and downs of life. So um, this isn't going to be uh, an ultra-structured exposition of this passage this morning, I do admit. Uh, but as I've been reading through Ruth 1 over the last few weeks, um, uh, three themes in particular have jumped out that I'd like us to have a bit of a ponder on. They're home, bitterness, and catching faith. Home, first of all. Uh, this is one that jumped out first when I was reading through the chapter. And I must admit, I keep coming back to it. Home is mentioned or implied uh, five times during this chapter. Verse 2 uh, talks about the family leaving home and making a new home. Verse 6 talks about the, the women uh, preparing to return back home. Verse 8, Naomi's encouraging the girls to go back to their mother's home. Verse 9 then follows on with Naomi praying that they'll rest in the home of another husband. And verse 16 and 17, Ruth kind of brings it full circle in the chapter and talks about her desire to establish a new home with Naomi. But we normally just talk about home casually, but home is a very emotive thing and word. It's not just a place where you live. It's about security and comfort. It's about the place where you're most yourself. It's an anchor um, in the sea of life. That's why it can be so disruptive when you're away from home, even for a short time, and so disorientating and sometimes devastating um, if you have to leave home. There was a Midianite invasion um, of Canaan uh, at the time of, of Gideon that we read about in, in Judges. So possibly at the same time as Ruth. Um, it left the land itself war-torn, ravaged, and without food. Failed crops and famine would have just tipped so many of people, the people over the edge, um, causing them to flee their home nation. Any of this sounding vaguely familiar and topical at the moment? My friends, um, Sasha and Tanya, moved from um, Kiev to uh, Lviv, right at the beginning of the, uh, the war uh, in Brovinsky. But so many of my communications with him um, mention his desire to go home. Um, it just burns within him still. Tanya's mother's still living in Kiev, um, 
her as she can't bring herself to leave home, to leave the place where she's, she's lived for the rest of her life. Um, people will cling to home, um, even to their own great detriment. Sasha, as well as driving a minibus um, the far eastern parts of, of, of Ukraine, delivering supplies, and then collecting displaced people and bringing them back, back. Um, he's also helping to run a temporary home for refugees um, in transit um, in Lviv. Um, this is how he describes one of his experiences just this past week with some people that um, had arrived from Kharkiv. <coughs> uh, at this day, we met woman with her daughter, grandson, and her neighbor with her son. The first thing they asked right after they stepped over the threshold of our house was, can we hug you? She goes on to tell the story of what life has been like in Kharkiv over the past few weeks. And Sasha asks, why didn't you leave that hell earlier? She replied, I thought it would stop soon. I couldn't believe it would get worse. I hoped to stay in the basement for a while and it would be over soon. But I realized that we would die if we continued to stay. There is no water, you can't buy food, you can't go outside. The number of explosions kept growing. You have no idea how beautiful our city is, she said without exaggeration. The streets in Kharkiv are very clean. All our residents feel love and pride for their city. There are many nice buildings. There are always children in our favorite park and our zoo is a special place. It is now distinct. All the animals have fled in all directions. If the war and threats weren't there, I would never have left, she said with tears in her something we cling to as a place of safety um, even in the face of everything contradicting it thank god has somehow made home a deep longing in all of our hearts there's a there, there's a tension here um, the bible has loads to say uh, about not making planet earth our royal home um, because there's a much better option still to come um, but at the same time there's something very special about the idea of home that draws people um, to that love and security that's ultimately uh, only found outside of these four dimensions. So either way, um, say many of you are leaning in to provide a home um, or support for Ukrainian refugees with more than just a physical and emotional provision. You're providing a glimpse of eternity enabling people to see their heart's ultimate desire in the home that they're hoping for. Providing a glimpse of eternity and enabling people to see their heart's ultimate desire in the home they're hoping for. I'll come back to that in a minute. Secondly though, bitterness. I must admit, cheery sort of theme didn't think I was going to be uh, talking about this but um, it just kept coming back as I was thinking and preparing for this morning without giving away the next three talks the book gets better but this first chapter is not a happy one um, famine displacement and death the next three chapters of Ruth are really about Ruth and Boaz she's a little drama lover um, but chapter one is the story of Naomi 
first thing you need to know about chapter one is that names and their meanings are very important. When we thought about uh, names for our kids, we wanted to uh, speak into their lives in some way. Uh, our daughter Caris Joy, Grace and Joy um, came to us fairly quickly. Um, Joel was a little trickier. Um, Joel means the Lord is God, which we liked. Um, he also has two middle names, um, uh, Aidan, after the, the Celtic saints who brought um, faith to the north of England where we were living just before we moved here. Um, but we missed the meaning until later. Um, Aiden means little fiery one. <laughs> what kind of idiot parents call their kids little fiery one? Um, his other name is, is Thomas, named after Lizzie's dad. Um, not sure of that meaning, but I think it means leaps from tall buildings or something like that. Uh, when it comes to Naomi's sons, we kind of really should have seen it coming, really. Marlon means to be sick. Um, and Chilion uh, probably means annihilation. Um, uh, their roles in this story were not going to be promising ones from, uh, from the outbreak. But it's the contrast in Naomi's names that really jumps out. Uh, Naomi means uh, pleasant, lovely, delightful. Uh, it's why the question being asked when she returns um, uh, back home to Canaan after many years, uh, might actually feel a little cynical. Can this be Naomi? Can this be Naomi the delightful? That's why she wants to be called Marla, the bitter. It must have been so hard to have the town be perpetually reminding her of her old, good, pleasant life that was lost. Mara was now how people saw her, and Mara was the story that was being gossiped about. The fact that her return was talked about um, uh, so much in the marketplace certainly seems to imply that uh, Elimelech's family was a prominent one before they left. So pain and sorrow fill this story. Losing her home, losing her husband, losing her sons, and therefore losing her hope of security in this life um, and the chance of legacy in the lives of her grand of, um, grandchildren. There's so much loss and pain. No wonder life itself feels bitter. The thing that jumps out of this passage um, uh, for me is that she's shamelessly blaming God um, in a way um, that would be a little uncomfortable for me, I must admit. Verse 13, it's more bitter for me than for you, she says to her daughter-in-law, because the Lord's hand has turned against me. And again in verse 20, call me Mara, because the Almighty has made my life very bitter. I don't know about you, but this um, causes me to squirm, and I get caught in this um, theological paradox of suffering uh, again. On, on one hand, um, theological purity wants me um, to do the acrobatics and say that good things come from the hand of God, uh, who is Lord of the universe. But bad things are the result of sin. Um, but, but when I do this, I'm still left with the question, who is God in this? Now, I know the right answer is that God allowed this to happen. Um, but however hard I try um, to pretend, the question is still there of why. It still haunts me. Why didn't God um, prevent it? Why didn't he intervene? Why did he seem to turn a blind eye to what was going on? 
Naomi has a rather different approach. She puts the source of blessings and curses, of joys and sorrows, squarely with God. She uses the name uh, Almighty, the Almighty. It's a descriptive name. God is all-powerful and all in control, and he has chosen to bring sorrow on me, she says. It's the other side of the great of the, the same paradox and creates no end of problems um, regarding how a good God can bring misery to a person. But the more I've wrestled with this in the past uh, couple of weeks, the more I love the emotional honesty uh, behind it. God is almighty, so if this has happened to me, God must have brought it about. The famine, the triple bereavements, the possibility of destitution, the parting, the uncertainty and maybe hopelessness of what might be waiting for her. She doesn't know why, and interestingly, she doesn't seem to ask why. It's just part of her faith in the Almighty God, and that faith seems constant and unshakable, and that is a challenge to me. When Leslie and I were um, just starting in uh, youth and schools ministry, uh, we were teaching up at a school in, uh, in Tyneside, um, and uh, one day got asked a question about why God lets people die. Um, I pretty smugly knew all the standard apologetic answers to this, um, uh, because uh, I'd just done a training assignment the week before on this very subject. Um, uh, so I kind of knew where this, was, where this was going to go. But I just remember Leslie pausing and saying to the girl, I don't know. I was a little taken aback that she'd forgotten all the great answers to this question that we'd learned just the previous week. Um, uh, it must be just before a break or, or a, a lunchtime, because as Leslie sat, the, um, uh, sat with the girl and left space for her to speak, um, she discovered that the girl's grandmother had died the week before. It's our authenticity and honesty about our relationship with God and the questions that that brings that speaks to people far more than clever arguments ever will. We often get scared of starting conversations about faith um, because of questions we may get asked, particularly this one that came up. Often God's gives words at just the right, uh, the dr um, gives words just at the right moment in these conversations. But sometimes these words are Honesty may speak far deeper than a bulletproof theological answer to a question. There's a Christian artist called uh, Martin Joseph um, that I've been a fan of for uh, quite a while. Um, his early stuff is kind of rubbish. I was listening to it in the car the other day and thought, man, it wasn't good. Um, uh, but he had a, a trip to Thailand um, uh, that transformed all his songwriting. This is one of the songs that, that came out of that time. It's called Treasure the Question.
Okay, so that was the six-minute live version, which was a bit self-indulgent, I do admit, but thank you for hanging in there. Um, if I don't find out the search is not in vain, um, uh, uh, I'll treasure the questions, because someday I'm going to know. Um, just the concept around this has really uh, helped me over the years um, to not be perpetually pushing for answers that are always going to be beyond us. There's stuff God tells us, but there's stuff that he leaves us in the darkness for. Um, but that's not the end of the story. The whole of the Bible can really be uh, summed up um, in three chapters. Chapter one's all about the Garden of Eden. Chapter two's all about the fall. And chapter three is all about redemption. But this third chapter takes the rest of the Bible to tell. And ladies and gentlemen, we are still in the middle of that story right now. God's unfolding story of redemption um, and uh, has not ended yet. Uh, whatever happens around us, we, particularly as God's children, are still in that roller coaster of the third final chapter. Our little paragraphs in the middle of it that just don't seem to wrap up neatly don't work because this chapter is still being written and sometimes when we try and make sense of it all it becomes problematic for us and it becomes very unconvincing for others we know god's working all things together for good romans 8 28 but we don't know when that working together will actually show itself it's been said it's like looking at the back of a tapestry. You see bits of colour and it looks rather exciting, but overall it's just a tangled mess. What we don't know is when, or if, this side of eternity, God's going to turn the tapestry over and show us the picture. Which kind of brings us to our third point, um, which is all about catching faith. Uh, the most, most uh, famous line in this, this chapter of, of Ruth is Ruth's declaration to Naomi. Where you go, I will go. Where you stay, I will stay. Your people will be my people and your God, my God. Naomi was doing her best to dissuade her daughters-in-law uh, from going back to Canaan with her. Where they would find themselves as um, outsiders as she herself had found uh, herself all those years. Um, but Ruth is determined, and uh, determined in a way that seems much more than just um, uh, uh, affection for a loved mother-in-law. What was it that caused Ruth to jump all in in that way? Ruth had been watching Naomi for the past 10 years or so. She'd been watching her faith in action seeing how she responds to the circumstances that she faces, the difficulties, how she trusts the Lord, gets angry and bitter towards the Lord sometimes, but how her faith remains unshakable through everything. In verse 6, there would be loads of ways of expressing that the famine had ended in, in Canaan. Um, uh, but it talks about Naomi hearing, and presumably relaying to Ruth, that the Lord had come to the aid of his people by providing food for them. The joys, as well as the traumas, come in from God's hand. Uh, 
we'll never know um, this side of a nice long chat with Naomi in heaven one day um, the full story of uh, how um, she lived out her faith but it becomes clear that the real authentic but uncompromising way uh, she lived her relationship with God drew Ruth in not just to the closeness of relationship with Naomi herself but to God as well there's no reason for Ruth to automatically include that your God will be my God bit um, of the package when she's, she's talking to Naomi. Um, people usually, uh, and sometimes quite literally, took their gods with them uh, when they moved to a new country. Back them up, put them in a box, away we go. Um, it's why Israel kept on getting into trouble every time they absorbed other cultures or married other cultures. But maybe when it came to thinking about home for Ruth, there was that glimpse of eternity that we mentioned. She was looking for, she wanted a home that had more than just the security of four walls. A home with Naomi's almighty God, as well as with Naomi. Uh, one of the things I love about the, the church in general over the last little while, and ODC in particular, um, is our focus on living lives in an integrated way. Uh, the spiritual life is not something se uh, it's not a separate thing from the rest of our life. Our relationship with God impacts all we are and all we do. Don't take this for granted. It's certainly not always been the way. Um, in some ways, Ruth's uh, declaration kind of represents our missional aim. It creates a, a challenge, but it's exactly what we're looking for. This is what Benice was talking about in, in, in Alpha. Um, and you, you, you heard in, in, in Gary spe speaking, not, not just that, uh, that sense of, of, of God in context. Um, you could see it in the way Gary was, was talking. He wanted these people to be his people, this God to be his God. Our friends, our colleagues, our neighbours, our rather weird relatives um, are drawn to Jesus, often not by uh, words, although words are nearly always um, involved in that, um, but by seeing pe his people in action. It's exciting, but it's a challenge. It's the challenge for us as a church today. And this is where we'll finish. What in us as individuals and a body of believers draws people to this point to us and to Jesus what in us causes people to say I want your people to be my people and your God my God let's pray Jesus just glimpsing back through these thousands of years we just thank you for the life of Naomi thank you for her for her um, uh, just uh, honest and authentic walk with you the ups and downs that she faces. Lord, thank you for uh, the whispered conversations that she, she had with, with Ruth um, uh, yeah, over meal tables and doing chores and um, uh, everything else that they would have been involved with. Lord, thank you for um, uh, yeah, the things of you that shone through uh, Naomi. And Lord, we want more of that for ourselves. We want our lives to be uh, lived in an authentic way not just coming up with the right spiritual answers um, to answer difficult questions, um, but we want lives that authentically walk with you. 
that wrestle with you in the tricky stuff, um, but, but praise you for the good stuff. Lord, help us to um, live these lives out well in public amongst our friends and our neighbours and our colleagues. That um, we would be um, drawing the intrigue of people uh, to bring them to the point of saying that they want our people to be, uh, yeah, us to be their people. 